Unless it, there was someone kind enough to just e-transfer me about, you know, uh, a couple thousand dollars in flights. <laughs> that'd be fantastic, you know? Just, like, like all I need is, like, you know, like two grand. Yeah, I'm sure Tyrell would uh, share the bed with you. Hey, I, I would cuddle with him. He'll be smooth as silk. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 26 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now, it was just announced, John, uh, that the social will... I I don't really understand. They're kind of hosting the Grey Cup Halftime Show? I don't know why you need a host at all for the Grey Cup halftime show. I mean, you somebody like you get the big baritone of Rod Smith going, and now the Shaw Grey Cup halftime show. Here's Fallout Boy. Then it's like blah blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Fallout Boy plays like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You're gonna interview them? Like I, I don't know. It's just like I see the the audience of the social. And the audience of your average football game go together like fire ants and anything. They just don't mix. <laughs> now, uh, so the social is described as, I guess, the Canadian version of The View. And that's my the best qu- way to describe it, yeah. My, my question to you, John, if that's the case, why didn't they hire us? Right? And maybe we should be guest hosts of the social, and we can talk about things like my son and your engagement. You know, I, 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 see, a, I see a good cross-promotion here. Hey, you know, we're going to give football audiences a taste of the social. Let's give social audiences a taste of football. Yeah, that's basically exactly what Stephen uh, Shute ended up tweeting us on Twitter. At <laughs> Stephen says, he says, so the social will be at the Grey Cup. Will they bring the two and out CFL boys to talk babies, engagements, and anger management? You know We're what? Available. I look, I look I'm really good in skinny jeans, so maybe we can make it happen. I could FaceTime you with my white uh, iPhone six up on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you probably could, but I mean, like, who FaceTimes during a concert? Do people actually do that? Uh, I think so. <laughs> You've been to more concerts than I have uh, of late because, you know, I'm old and things like that. Well, don't but... do it at Kevin Hart or you'll get kicked out, apparently. Apparently. He yeah. was very, uh, he, he was, uh, uh, then again, Kevin Hart nearly died when he tried to go for a jog the next day. So, uh, <laughs> glad to see he didn't tear something. All right, let's get right to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the To It Out podcast. All right, I do want to open it up to saying uh, big condolences uh, to Doug and Darren Flutie. Uh, crazy news. Uh, he lost, they lost both their parents uh, basically yeah. an hour apart due to heart attacks. And it's just crazy how the world works. But uh, everybody's been talking about that and everybody's sending out positive vibes to the Flutie family. Uh, we do want to mention that we do have Dave Campbell joining the podcast just a little bit later on. Uh, we'll be talking the West Final, obviously. He is uh, an analyst for the Edmonton Eskimos with 
6.30, Chad, in Edmonton. So he follows this team. Uh, today was their first practice of the week as they prepare for Calgary on Sunday. Quickly, I uh, want to run through the games uh, that happened over the weekend. Uh, it was awesome. I just sat down on the couch and I watched some Canadian football. I did basically the same thing, except I had a screaming uh, two- or three-week-old uh, in my arm most of the time who's uh, dealing with being a little bit gassy. We should also mention, too, off the top, if you notice that the energy level isn't quite as high as it normally is with the two of us, it's because I phoned up Travis, but right before we did the podcast, we always have a little off-air yeah. pre-podcast meeting, and I said, Trav, you got to carry it tonight. I feel like, get the angry elk ready, absolute... <laughs> And Trav goes, well, that's great, because I also feel like, get the angry elk. I'm like, this is fantastic. We will somehow make this work. So to our two and out uh, CFL listeners, uh, send chicken noodle soup. Should also mention, speaking of sending things, uh, the Eskimo Empire, you are off the hook for ever sending a care package ever again. A really cool move by uh, another podcast here. If you're an Eskimos fan, make sure to listen to these guys. Look them up on Twitter. They're a great listen. Uh, even if you're not an Eskies fan, the Eskimo Empire, they sent. They said, you know, we basically said, oh, my son, I'm not going to raise him a bomber fan because I don't want to put him through what is that <laughs> gong show. That's uh, child so, abuse. <laughs> that, I know, that would be child abuse. So they sent a set of onesies that say that have the Edmonton Eskimos logos all over them. Uh, Max isn't quite big enough for them yet. When he is, we're going to put him in them and, of course, tweet out that picture. That is, that is so, so cool. Now, silently over the past couple of weeks, John, we have been in a power ballad challenge with the Eskimo Empire podcast. So we've been hiding kind of Easter eggs, some cheesy power ballads here yep. uh, and there. So for sending that care package, Bon Jovi, thank you. For loving me. If I try, you make believe that you believe my lies. Hey, you me. I don't know if it gets any cheesier than that, John. Uh, maybe Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi. <laughs> okay, I guess we got to save that one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, next week. Okay, awesome. Let's quickly uh, talk about the games here. Um, it started Toronto versus Hamilton, and this was crazy. Uh, all of the writers on CFL.ca had the Argonauts. Uh, you had the Argonauts, and I think everybody came into the game expecting uh, Ricky Ray to be Ricky Ray. Yeah. He wasn't. <laughs> No, he was, he, I mean, it was a very windy day in Hamilton, and even Ray admitted after the game that, well, my shoulder is still not 100%. I still need to work on my strength in there. So I'm a little surprised that they did end up going with him. So what, with what he revealed, I'm not surprised to find out that, you know, things weren't, like, I'm not surprised with the result, finding out that Ricky Ray was essentially still playing hurt. I don't know why they didn't go to Trevor Harris, but again, I'm not a CFL head coach. Uh, just a windy game, and you know what? I thought, like, the whole way through, I'm like, there's there's no way the Toronto, that, like, Hamilton's down to approximately their 17th quarterback. There's no way they're coming out with this victory, and they do, again, thanks to, uh, um, questionable roughing the passer call followed up by Justin Medlock and his robot leg. It's it's funny because I look at the call and you think it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time I felt like it was a call they had to make. No, no, not a chance. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think, you know what, it's pretty evident that he was pushed in and at that point you can't flag a marginal call there. 
He gets pushed in. He does everything he can to slow up. What else is he supposed to do? There is literally no way he can avoid that hit when he gets pushed in by the offensive lineman. He hits the quarterback. He tried to slow up, did everything he could, and you can't be throwing that flag like that on a chintzy call in that spot in the playoffs. Yeah, that it was a tough one. And look, just look, at it, look at it this way, Trav. If they don't throw the flag, does anybody complain? I don't think anybody goes that was worthy of a flag if they didn't throw it. Other way around, bizarro universe. Yeah, and, and Justin Medlock's not going to miss that opportunity. So th- that no. did help uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli in the game-winning uh, you know, field goal at the end of the game. It was really weird because I felt like Toronto had all the opportunity in the world to win. Uh, but again, they were without some weapons. They were without Kevin Elliott. They were without Vidal uh, Hazelton. So they had, you know, I, I know they had Phil Bates in there and Deontay Spencer and things like that. But the Hamilton defense and the Hamilton special teams, I thought, was very underrated in this game. I know Brandon Banks did not get a score, but any time Toronto had a chance to pin them deep, he put them in decent field position, and it kind of saved Hamilton's ass, I think. Well, what you have to look at is, especially in these really windy football games, special teams always play such a huge factor because it all comes down to field position. Uh, And again, special teams, Swayze Waters just wasn't good enough. He was two for four in his field goals. Medlock goes three for three. There's the difference there. And yeah, I mean, you look at the punt return game. Chad Owens could only uh, only average 6.4 yards of return. Brandon Banks averaged 14 and a half. That's over twice the amount of Chad Owens. So needless to say, it was just, you know, it it came down to a special teams battle and Hamilton came out with it. I feel like we say this every single year, Um, but coming up in February is uh, free agency. Before we get to the West semifinal, let's talk about that a little bit Uh, in Toronto. Apparently, they have 28 free agents. Owens, Ray, Harris are all free agents, and nobody got extended during the regular season. You don't see that, like, ever. Well, I think part of that is because of the ownership. And that's what I was wondering if Braley didn't really uh, open the purse strings or, you know, let Barker negotiate and dish out some money. Well, I, the the hard part is, I mean, every time there's a contract extension, it's also in it's most of the general manager, but also in part, it also comes down to ownership. They have to talk. Do we want to make this long term commitment to this guy? And essentially, the Argos didn't have an owner this year, so you know, how can you go out and give contracts and then maybe you know Bell comes in and goes, yeah, we didn't want to give Chad Owens three hundred grand a year over the next three, right? So. That's a large part. But you look at, I always love, though, with CFL free agency because the contracts are all so short. Yeah. When it comes out team by team, you're like, oh, wow, their entire team is going to leave. And then you go, we have the oh, riders they're, they're, are in the mid 30s or something. 31 was the <laughs> count I saw uh, online today. And that seems, honestly, what do you, what do you have? A 44 man roster? Like, the entire roster. <laughs> you, have four, you have forty. You have forty-six on your active yeah. plus uh, practice roster of ten that expands at the end uh, at a certain date in the regular season. Plus all your injured guys, of course. So yeah, it, it seems like an insane number. But most, yeah, like you said, the contracts seem to be only one or uh, two years, and they're not guaranteed. So that that makes it a little bit different in uh, football now. <laughs> Let's get to the West semifinal a little bit here. Free agency, by the way, opens February 9th, so uh, that should be a fun one to circle on your calendar. Now, the West semi was a game until uh, Jennings threw a pick six to Keon Raymond. Yeah, that was the TSN turning point, and after that, the Stampeders went, oh, wait, we're, we're the Stampeders. By the way, how good is the Jerome Messam pickup look? 
Wow. Yeah, no kidding, especially since Cornish isn't ready to go. They haven't missed a beat at all. I, I'm just I'm just going to throw it out there, and I don't have a source. I haven't read anything on Twitter, Travis. But do you think do you think this could be the end of John Cornish? Do you think he thinks about calling it quits? I would not be surprised. I mean, realistically, the guy has already been focused on his post-football career already. He's already, it's well noted, he's been working in investment banking at TD, and it just seems like he just really kind of disappeared this year, and he's got his rings, he's got a good chunk of change through, through from his playing days. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, if if they came out and announced that John Cornish, here's a three-year contract extension for Jerome Messam. By the way, John Cornish is retiring. It's an interesting offseason because um, there's a couple Canadian running backs out there. Uh, Andrew Harris and Jerome Messam are, uh, are, are available as of right now. They haven't talked uh, contract. But, yeah, John Cornish, uh, I get the uh, feeling that... If he's the, the kind of guy that would want to walk away from the game with all his wits about him, and I would not be surprised one bit. Well, and Andrew Harris, I mean, I, I know there was lots of talk of unrest in, uh, in yeah. BC this year, and the fact that their best player and, you know, who was their starting quarterback to come out have both, like, I was surprised at what Harris said in the media because you almost never hear that from a guy, and you never hear a guy on his way out basically say, that's it, I'm out. These guys didn't treat me good. You never hear that. Every, no. Everybody takes the high road and blah, blah, blah. Harris doesn't. He he lights this house on fire on his way out of the BC Lions, and it sounds like he's as good as gone. So, I mean, maybe some unrest in BC. I, and it feels like it's kind of been like that for a couple of years here. I don't think it's a new issue uh, to this year. I think the guy wants the ball more, and he did get 14 carries in uh, in the game, but he also uh, he had a costly turnover as well, and that's why Calgary ended up, they got 14 points off of turnovers, and they didn't have to score anything, because yeah. BC couldn't get anything going when Jennings hurt his uh, collarbone. So, just a quick prediction. Do you think Harris ends up going home to Winnipeg? Oh, I would, I would, I would love to see it. I, I I absolutely would. I'd love to see see it happen as a as a Blue Bombers fan, and I think Winnipeg would be the offensive boost that they kind of need. But uh, it, it, again, it all depends on the cap situation. I think you're yeah. going to have a lot of teams that are going to be willing to throw a lot of money at Andrew Harris. I mean, if you can get a Canadian in that spot, you know, like I mean Saskatchewan, depending on what they do with Anthony Allen. I, I mean, really, who's a really set in stone as a running back in the CFL these days? It's honestly right now nobody. <laughs> Harrison, Harrison Messam, and there it sounds like one of them is going to leave, and the other one could leave. Yeah. So uh, next year, literally nine out of nine teams could have a different running back. You got to think that Montreal is probably going to hang on to Sutton, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Every, yeah, you never know. And right. I, we say it every year. Uh, it seems like the roster turnover gets crazier and crazier every year, but I'm sure if we dig up the numbers from last year, it's probably the same. We all have uh, short memories when it comes to that. So, obviously, the Stampeders crushed BC 35-9, to and the Ticats beat the Argos 25-22. Before we get Mr. Dave Campbell on the line, uh, I do want to talk about a discussion that happened on Twitter the other day, and we will talk about this a little bit, from Dave, and I'm sure he'll kind of talk about it, but 
there was an interesting comment that people are kind of blaming the fan interest being down in the CFL this year. They kind of put it on the shoulders of Jeffrey Orridge. Which I don't think, that makes no sense. I'm sorry. Like, Mark Cohan was charismatic and stuff like that, but not a single person in the universe has come out and said, I'm going to go watch that because this guy sounds like a nice guy. You're a football fan or you're not, right? The biggest reasons to me that fan interest was down, Travis, and the league doesn't need a Mark Cohan. The league needs quarterbacks who don't get blown up that can put on a good product. The league needs... You know, I love the CFL, but again, I like like Derek Taylor said a couple weeks ago, you don't have to love everything about them. The no. league needs to do something. I don't know what you do because a lot of these quarterback I mean, Darian Durant's a non-contact injury. You know, I don't yeah, know Calero's outside too. of outside of putting them in bubble wrap. Zach Calero, same thing. I don't know what that what the heck you do, but there's something to be said that the product of the game goes down when elite level quarterbacks are, are are there. I don't know if you need some sort of salary cap exception so teams can you know really get good quarterbacks to come up here. I mean, let's face it, everybody needs two. Uh, on top of that, the other thing that really killed it was, and I uh, in the past. Since the conversation we've had on Twitter with many of our our followers and our listeners, I've been casually floating it out there to a few people like, "Eh, you know, hey, uh, you know, Chris Zelkovich is his article about the, you know, CFL ratings being down 15 percent. You know, hey, why didn't you watch this year? And the biggest reasons I always get, especially being here in Saskatchewan, I mean, the number one is that the riders were terrible and people just essentially gave up. The riders no longer were an event here in Saskatchewan to watch. You know, you used to make plans around watching the rider game on Sunday, rider fan or not, you'd get together, have some fun, you'd watch it. But the other thing that I found surprising was the amount of people that hated the new rules. That just, like, we're talking, like, me as a hardcore football guy that, you know, I've got a pretty good grasp on the rule book from my time around it professionally. I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this will work out and maybe the casual fans will enjoy it. But casual fans hated it. The, I, I heard from some somebody who I'd call a casual fan was like, they need to be able to at least hit each other once in a while, right? Do they hate the rules or the flags? They hate the flags and the rule. I mean, to me, the rule did nothing. There was there was an uptick in some guys' numbers, and and I get that there was, but I mean, I don't know. I like I like just watching good football, and to me, you know, watching defensive backs have to avoid guys like they had, you know, the bird flu was not good football. Yeah, and I watched the Hardy Cup uh, last week when UBC shocked uh, Calgary, and you know they were underdogs heading into the game, and they ended up beating them. But there was some good tight coverage in that game, but. It's hard to do that in the CFL now, and I I think we did see that with Hamilton, but not every team has defensive backs the quality of uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, Ricky Foley did say it at the beginning of the year. They had, uh, you know, they sat down with uh, uh, Rod Smith uh, around the table, and he had said, hey, you receivers get the waggle. You you know, (laughs) you get all this stuff. And we can't touch you now? And Jamie Thomas did say it a couple weeks ago that maybe this is something that you see uh, make the difference in a couple years, but after this season, I don't know if they're going to stick with those rules. I don't think they should. I, I, I Here's the other thing, too. I mean, quarterbacks, the, it, it just seemed to me like your defensive line stars this year absolutely went away, minus Justin Capicotti. And uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, guy's name, uh, Bowman. In- Westerman in uh, Winnipeg? Westerman in Winnipeg. Bowman in, in in Montreal. You still had a few guys that were 
you know, really top-notch, but it just seemed like, I don't know, you didn't have that good pressure. You didn't have quarterbacks making those exciting plays where you think he's dead to rights and he's rolling out and, you know, escaping because here's the number one thing the new rules did. The new rules basically made it, okay, two seconds and out because as soon as the receivers couldn't be touched, quarterbacks were just throwing the ball. There was no... I don't know. It just like it just seems something was lacking this year, and I think the new rules are partially to blame for that. But again, too, when you're too traditionally your two biggest TV draws in the CFL have been Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg's been awful forever, and Saskatchewan had a really bad year. But yet still, and again, the Ryder fans, all the credit to them, they still finished second in league attendance this year. Now, I yeah, there was a guy that said Ryder fans are fair weather, and that, that just kind of blew me away. Uh, <laughs> but, and to your point, now I don't have any numbers to back this up. I, I really don't. But defenses, when you're told that you can't touch a receiver, you think they want to get to the quarterback faster. They want to blitz because you're not going to be able to cover guys for that long. Maybe this is why quarterbacks are getting hurt because guys are they're sending the house because you can't cover the receivers, so they send the house and uh, try to pressure the quarterbacks and maybe that's why they're getting hurt. Now, well, the, other, the other problem is too is the quarterbacks aren't looking at their second, third option. They aren't looking to, to roll out and avoid pressure, step up in the pocket. Quarterbacks this year essentially took the shotgun snap, stood there, looked for their first read, which was usually about two seconds as soon as that guy came came out of the waggle and, and, and you know got got into open space and then made a decision and just threw the ball standing in there taking hit after hit after hit why do you think henry burris stayed healthy most of the year yeah he because moves. he does that yeah exactly henry burris bo levi mitchell they're both very similar quarterbacks in the fact that although they they're not going to have a thousand yard rushing seasons watch it on tape and even mike riley to a degree although he was hurt most of the year watch these guys that 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 are good in the CFL, you just watch. It's like they take the snap, they they jump around a little bit, so on and so forth. You know, and they can avoid the rush. And a lot of guys, like Drew Willie's the perfect example. He just stood in there, and just got hit. Like like Kevin Glenn was the same yep. way, and and John and Travis Lule, same thing. Like it just, I I don't know. I, the new rules just completely changed the game of football. And you know what? Using the CIS comparison is great because. The CIS and the Canadian Junior Football League did not adopt the new rules. And, man, there were some slobber knockers in the CIS this year. There were some great, like, you'd have guys diving in. Like, you'd, you'd have just great defensive plays in the CIS and the CJFL that would, that would have been flags in the CFL. And you know what? Like, again, I, I'm blessed to be where I'm at in, in Saskatoon and covering two teams. But you know what? I got a hell of a lot more entertainment out of the amateur game than I did out of the professional game this year. One last uh, piece of news here. I, uh, <laughs> CFLpass.ca, I wrote about it on there. Uh, Edmonton Media kind of gives the Calgary Stampeders some inadvertent bulletin board material. A, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, <laughs> but a newspaper printed a ad for the West Final saying Eskimos versus Lions, and Bo Levi Mitchell even saw it on Twitter, and he tweeted it out. Here's what happened. Here's newspapers they're on a certain deadline to have certain yeah. graphics in for certain spots all right I, I i'm in media i know exactly what happens so to have that advertisement in in time in the newspaper at the wherever whatever paper it was has both advertisements already done up and approved by the edmonton eskimos so when it's all done it's said and done they just go okay all that was was somebody in the newspaper department chose number two instead of number one 
there's the mistake. There was no, there was nothing outside of that. I mean, they're going to use it as some bulletin board material and obviously have some fun with it, as they rightfully should. But, you know, to say it was intentional, no, absolutely not. All that happened was a little oopsie on which JPEG to put in the paper. Now, no disrespect to the BC Lions, but don't you think the paper would have looked at the odds and gone with the favorite? <laughs> You would think so, but chances are there's some intern in there that hasn't watched a down of CFL football doing that these days. Or a robot. One of the two. Speaking of intern, where's Brazilian Ty? He's terrified. He's a week away from getting waxed. Yeah, uh, needless to say, he's been texting with me, and to say he's scared would be an absolute understatement. Uh, maybe maybe before we talk to Dave, maybe we go and get waxed with Brazilian Ty. Hey, it's Brazilian Ty with the sixth edition of Getting Waxed here on the 2 and Out CFL Podcast. There's a bite in the air, it's windy, and I woke up to an inch and a half of snow on the weekend. That can only mean one thing, the playoffs are here. Now, with only two games this past weekend, I was worried that I would have to dig deep to find something or somebody to call out, especially with the way the East semifinal went. Then we had the West semifinal in Calgary. I honestly thought the Lions would be able to put up a fight and keep the game close. Apparently, they didn't get the memo, or the plane tickets to Calgary. Now, I know Dennings got hurt, and they didn't have arguably the most dominant defensive play in their league in their lineup, but holy cow. Nine points in a playoff game, no touchdowns, only 14 completions between Jennings and Lule, and under 200 yards to the air. It sounds like a 7-11 team playing against one of the best teams in the league to me. On Calgary's side of the ball, Bo Levi only threw for 199 yards with two touchdowns on 15 completions, but his team was up 24-6 at the half. His job is to take care of the football so he gets a pass. And oh yeah, he got the W. Eric Rogers once again with a great game hauling in those two touchdowns with 81 yards on four catches, and Messon led the way on the ground with 66 yards and a touchdown of his own. Now the game we've all been wanting all year is now set in stone for this Sunday as the Stamps will make the trek up Highway 2 to Commonwealth Stadium try to make it back-to-back Grey Cups in Winnipeg later this month. This week's honorable mention goes to the New Orleans Saints down south. To say the NFL is having a down year is an understatement. Going into week 11, there's only 11 teams out of the 32 with a winning record. The Saints aren't one of them. They got shelled by the Redskins 47-14 and a day later fired the defense coordinator Rob Ryan. If it would have been his twin brother Rex, I could have said he had one foot out the door, but that may have been too subtle. Before I go, I should mention that the big day is merely a week away. Thanks a lot, Henry Burris. Just had to prove me wrong. We'll be Snapchatting, periscoping, live tweeting, and whatever else we can think of just to prove that I'm mad enough. No, brave enough. No, stupid enough to actually get this wax done. You can find our Snapchat at 2 and Out CFL keep tabs on Travis and I throughout the weekend and who knows there may be a giveaway or two on there if you can't find us on Snapchat just find us on Twitter and one of us will help you out this has been the last installment of getting waxed as we know it as we might have to change the name now but that's up for debate at a later time until next time keep your wax hot and your strips clean now back to Travis and John and the tune out CFL podcast all right thanks Ty I love getting waxed it's one of my favorite <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to have to change it to got waxed, but <laughs> we've got <laughs> next season it will be got waxed. We do have a guest coming up on the show right now, Dave Campbell from 630 Chet. Let's roll. And we begin our West Division final preview with Dave Campbell of 630 Chet. He is, of course, the Eskimos analyst on the radio and the producer of Inside Sports with a guy who actually used to work alongside uh, Reed Wilkins back in my Lloyd Minster days. Uh, Dave, thanks a lot uh, for coming on the program this evening. Well, first of all, thank you very much. Second of all, my apologies, and I'm sorry that you had to put up with Reed. Uh, no, no, I work, I work with Reed very closely on the show and, uh, Reed is a, uh, wonderful human being. I'll say that. Oh, 
absolutely he is. I used to work for the for radio station. He was in TV in Lloydminster at the time, and I'll never forget. And I felt and like this was my number one Reed Wilkins memory because obviously we saw a lot of each other at similar events. And we were t- interviewing the head coach of the junior A team at the time. They had lost like their tenth in a row. And Reed asked a fairly innocent question, and he just got yelled at. Like he said, "Shut the cameras <laughs> off!" And he yelled at him. And uh, so there, there's, there's the you know uh, t- three degrees of separation that seems to be in Canadian radio. But enough about Reed and getting yelled at by junior coaches that are no longer there. Dave, uh, you, we were just talking before we hit the record button. Today was the first day back at practice for the Eskimos after. G- it seems like forever ago they last played a football game. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, one thing I will say is the break came at a good time for this team because of the injury situation. And, you know, today you look out on the field and you saw, you know, Aaron Grimes back in the secondary. You saw J.C. Sherrod back in the linebacking core and, and Marcus Howard working out again uh, with the defensive line and, and Matt Boulay working special teams. Uh, didn't see Shakir Bell out there. Didn't see Simeon. Well, Simeon Rochier did uh, – did practice, but his status is still up in the air. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a long time to not play football, a, a three-week gap. And there's been a lot of talk about the three-week gap. But uh, this is going to be a well-rested football team on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, just to know who the opponent is, you know, not just from my perspective. I mean, I cover the team, but the team itself, you know. And it, you can tell that there is a – little extra focus today. I talked with Mike Riley after the uh, practice, and he says, yeah, you could tell there was a you know, nice to lock into someone. And yeah. uh, they're, they're quite familiar with the Calgary Stampeders and, and vice versa. So, yeah, it was a good day. Finally, uh, you know, it felt real that the Eskimos, uh, you know, are going to play in this game on Sunday. They're going to have a, a quality opponent. Did it almost feel a little bit like training camp, Dave? I understand that uh, the players were given a good chunk of time off, which you almost never see during the regular season. Yeah, I mean, and you never see a three-week gap between games, right? Yeah. Very unusual. And I mean, they had a week two bye, and then they had to play 17 straight games, which is unheard of in the game of football. I mean, they, they basically played a full NFL season, 17 yeah. weeks of full NFL season before having a break. So they get the week 20 by. And, you know, Chris Jones, uh, you know, he wanted to have his players to get away from football from a, a physical standpoint and from a, a mental standpoint. You know, a lot of people don't realize what the mental grind is for football. Um, you know, obviously, it's a physical grind, but there's a toll it takes uh, mentally as well. So, you know, he, he tried to give his players and his coaches enough time away from the game just to rest up and heal up uh, mentally and physically. And uh, had a couple of practices last week, including a full scrimmage at Commonwealth Stadium. And they looked good in that scrimmage to start, kind of tailed off in the middle and had a better uh, finish. But, uh, you know, it's always a challenge to, uh, you know, when you have this much time off, how do you manage the time? And, you know, well, I think so far it's been managed well just because, you know, it looks like he has a fresh football team uh, at his disposal. Now, of course, Chris Jones is up for Coach of the Year against uh, Mr. Campbell from Ottawa. Do you think that uh, maybe Jones, or, or who do you think is going to get it? Because keeping the team together and that focus for 17 straight weeks, to me, is an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, to me, I think I think Rick Campbell will win Co- Coach of the Year. And mm. I'll, I'll try to do him because, I mean, what he did this year to take the team, uh, team in Ottawa, you know, take the Red Blacks from two wins to ten wins, and I believe that's the or, uh, twelve wins. 
I believe that's the largest uh, turnaround in CFL history. Uh, I think that he's going to be the consensus choice to win. I did pick Chris Jones because, I, you know, maybe it's just because I, I'm working in this market and I saw what this team had to go through and what Chris Jones had to go through. But they went 6-3 and three without Mike Riley in the lineup, which is impressive. They go 8-0 with Mike Riley back in the lineup, but he's he seven straight games. And it's a challenge for a coach when you don't get a break for that long in how you manage your players' bodies and, you know, how much do you, how much physical work do you do at, at practice and when do you dial back and that sort of thing. But I felt for the, you know, I felt for the, the, the tough schedule that the Eskimos had as far as not having, uh, you know, the, the, the right amount of breaks at the right amount of time in the season, having to play 17 straight games and being without their number one quarterback, I thought Chris Jones and his staff players did a remarkable So that's why I picked Chris Jones. Now, I, I felt coming into the year that the Eskimos almost weren't focused on the Grey Cup. They were focused on beating the Calgary Stampeders uh, because yeah. they had that big streak coming into this year. Did you notice a change in the team after they finally beat them in the Labor Day rematch? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You felt the confidence uh, skyrocket and, you know, <laughs> sense of relief that we finally beat the Stampeders, we finally beat our rivals, and we don't have to talk about this anymore. We don't have to answer the question, why can't you beat the Calgary Stampeders? And I know I've asked that question a time or two uh, during that uh, nasty streak. So, and it seemed like after they beat the Stampeders, and especially when they beat them the second meeting in early October, then they felt like, okay, we beat them twice, two out of three times, uh, that helped them win first place. Then you really felt, uh, you know, kind of that confidence and that belief that they can be a great cup team. You know, I think it validated what they were feeling and what, you know, kind of what their belief was. And, it, and, and you know, they still have work to do. they got to beat Calgary, and they're a very good football team, just like the Eskimos are. And then if they can do that, they got to beat, uh, you know, whoever they're going to play in the great cup. But I think beating Calgary was – the mental hurdle they needed to, you know, just get over that, and now they can focus on being, you know, a, a legitimate Grey Cup contender. Dave Campbell, six thirty, Ched Eskimos analyst. Now, uh, Dave, Travis, and I have joked on the podcast here before that the Eskimos' winning streak may have been one of the ugliest of all time, but they were still <laughs> winning football games. Is that a testament uh, to how good this football team is? I mean, you you won a game where Mike Riley threw for approximately seventeen yards. <laughs> Yep, that's true. <laughs> that's the game in Hamilton when it was, uh, you know, a bad win game, and that was his second game back as a starter uh, from uh, from or second back uh, second game starting uh, from the uh, knee injury. And yeah, you know, uh, what impresses me the most about this team, and you're right, they have won ugly. They've won primarily because their defense is probably the best in the, in the CFL. They've won because of good special teams. I mean, Sean White has come in and and did an admirable job and continues to do so in place of uh, Grant Shaw at the time, and now Shaw's back doing the punting and the the, uh, kickoffs. And their offense, you know, they did enough to to help the team win, but what they have, and I think this is the glue for this football team, they have a high belief system. And Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed when things go south for the team, and it has, you know, it did quite a bit. There were quite a bit of occasions where the Eskimos, you know, they had things go against them. And it didn't seem like 
and I'm sure they got frustrated and they got annoyed and maybe angry and that sort of thing, but it didn't, it didn't linger with them. Their belief system is, is really high, and they don't get rattled. And they're, they're tough. They're not just physically tough, they're mentally tough. And I think that's the glue that keeps this team together and so confident and focused on no matter what happens during the game, they believe that they can win. I mean, you know, the Ryder game is a good example, and, you know, they were down by 18 points, and I know, yes, it's the Ryder's. <laughs> hey, a lot of teams would have folded up and said, okay, we're down yeah. by 18 early, we're done. What do they yep. do? They kick back and they said, we're not, we're not good enough right now, and we're getting absolutely slaughtered here, so we're going to come out we're going to come out in the second quarter and play better football, and they did. So, you know, to me, it's it's about their belief system. And the biggest worry about this team right now is still their offense, even though they scored 75 points in the last two games. But I think the glue is just how much they believe that no matter what happens in the game, in a game, they're going to win. A, they're going to they're going to win the football game. Now, I know a lot of people from the outside looking in saw the Eskimos nominee uh, for most outstanding player as Mike Riley, and were kind of surprised. But tell me what you think about this, Dave. I feel like if he's not their most outstanding player, he's definitely their most valuable player. I agree with you. Yeah, and I've made that argument uh, for the last couple of seasons. And you know, last last year there was a lot of talk about Riley being the most outstanding player. And I think, you know, I, I think the MOP gets confused with MVP. Yeah, it does. It's not most valuable. It is most outstanding. And to me, most outstanding means best player. Most valuable player means most important player to, to your team. There is no doubt. In my view, as long as Mike Riley is a member of the Edmonton Eskimos, he will always be their MVP because he is that important to the Edmonton Eskimos. Their best player, though, I think you can argue Darrell Walker definitely is the Eskimos' best player, maybe a Darius Bowman as well. You can look at a couple of players on their defense that, who have had good years, you know, a Dexter McCoyle or a, a John Ojo. But, you know, to me, Mike Riley is their most important player and their most valuable, but he is not their best player. He's up there. I mean, he's probably top three, top two. But I know for myself, I voted a Darius Bowman. Uh, a lot of people, and some people voted Darrell Walker, but it was, you know, it was uh, uh, Mike Riley that won the award. It's not that it's a wrong choice. It's, it's an interesting choice. It's a good choice. But to me, it's, uh, I, I hope people understand when they vote, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, get down on my other media uh, brothers, uh, brothers and sisters out there because it's a tough job to vote. But to <laughs> me, it's most outstanding. That's best player, not most valuable, which is most important player. See, I, I don't have a vote, you know, so I'm all against uh, everybody. Throw, I'm all for everybody throwing each other on, under the bus, Dave. They haven't <laughs> given me one out here in Saskatoon yet, so uh, haven't quite figured it out. But, uh, Dave, this is going to be you, – you sent out a tweet uh, earlier tonight about the fact that, uh, that ticket sales are trending upwards for the West Final. I know that there is a lot of people having the discussion after a poor showing on really what was an abnormally great day in Calgary for football – is there any concern in Edmonton about, I, I know the Eskimos' attendance is always right near the top of the league, but is there any, are you hearing any kind of a buzz that people are concerned that people aren't coming to games anymore, preferring to sit on their couch and sip a, sip a Molson? Yeah, it's, it's been kind of a, a, a discussion point, I think, for the last few years. And you know, this season, I think it's kind of come to a head, or it's, it, it's definitely uptick in that, in that direction. And you look at the season to start with, we had the FIFA Women's World Cup, and that was a great event. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, the CFL was secondary. Then you have the Pan Am Games, right, in Ontario. And we're, usually the CFL is always secondary in Ontario, unless you're at Hamilton or Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the Blue Jays' success, and they're always competing against the, you know, the NHL and the uh, National Football League. But in the past, it's always been the CFL is the number two sports brand in the in the in, in Canada. And, and this year, there's been a lot of distractions. But what's disappointing to me from a league level, and I'm I'm you know I'm trying to give Jeffrey Orge, the new commissioner, the, the benefit of the doubt because it's only year one, but my mm-hmm. goodness, in year two we better see some proactive steps to improve, uh, one, their marketing and how they market their players, and secondly, the officiating has to get so much better. Yep. And I, I know Glenn Johnson, the director of officials for the league, was on our Eskimos pre, uh, pregame show about two months ago, and he said uh, he's concerned because he feels too many flags are being thrown in games that officials are honestly – looking to throw a flag and wow cut that mindset out and saying no you call what's supposed to be called and he wants uh he wants the average number of flags per game to be around 16 17 not 24 25 where it is now so this league has to become i would i i think more watchable but you know i it's puzzling when it's a you know when we we, we talk about the subject here in edmonton because the president and ceo len rhodes uh and I believe uh, Calgary San Peters also had a movement uh, last year to move the season up by a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it was gaining support around the league. The league doesn't even want to talk about it or touch it. And I think a lot of it has to do with their with their television rights holder TSN. And uh, you know it's unfortunate, but still, what flies in the in, in the face of that argument now is he had a 12 degree day in Calgary, and they could only muster 26,000. Now, oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, great for the 26,000 that showed up. Uh, that's great. But, you know, you would hope to have a sellout, obviously, but have over 30,000. So, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, obviously, reaching millennials is a, is a big issue for the Canadian Football League. And they haven't done a good job of reaching the 18 to 34, 35 demographic, and they have to do a better job of that. And, you know, how they do that, well, fantasy football would be one, uh, you know, because fantasy football is a huge part of the – of the National Football League and even the uh, NHL, uh, yeah, so they they, they got to figure out what do young people like. You know, social media is obviously one. Fantasy football is another. Fantasy sports and there's you know there's other factors they got to consider. So, but I think too the quality of the game has to be much better, and officials have to keep the flags in their pocket more often than not. Well, you know when they're getting it from their essentially their boss and Glenn Johnson saying. We have to throw less flags. You know that at least the discussions being had, they're not putting up the blinders or anything like that. Do you think the CFL goes back to the uh, old rules, per se, where there's no automatic flag for coughing on a guy after five yards next year? <laughs> well, uh, I think that rule will be tweaked somewhat. or I would, I would hope it will be tweaked. Uh, I'll change my answer. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I wish it was definite. I don't know if it's definite, but I hope it does. Uh, I hope they do change it a bit, but there will be discussion about it. Uh, I'm pretty sure of that, and whether you know that's that rule's best for the game, or whether they got to tweak it. But um, yeah, they they got they just got to figure out the interpretation of certain rules too. And you know, what is the roughing the passer call, and what is pass interference, and, and should offensive pass interference be challenged, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I do think the league is going to take a long, hard look at the rules and. Uh, 
you know, and the, and the rule changes that came in, and definitely that uh, defensive contact rule. Uh, and, you know, see if there's anything that uh, I, I hope they can, uh, you know, do some tweaking on that. Because it seems like there's still, you know, here we are, it's, uh, you know, week and a half left of the season, and it seems like there's still confusion about this rule. Now, one more thing before we let you go, Dave. It's been, uh, we teased it on Twitter, you know, uh, I saw it, you know, a lot of fans talking about it, that Chris Jones is rumored to be one of the guys to do the Saskatchewan job, general manager and head coach. Uh, to me, I thought it was out of left field and just completely nuts. Uh, what are you thinking about it? Well, and, and we gotta, you know, we gotta source it back to from its original uh, origin, and that's you know, Gary Lawless uh, from TSN and yeah. uh, on the broadcast on Sunday uh, for the division semifinal games. You know, he talked about the Riders' job, and he did mention Chris Jones's name. If the Riders are interested in having one person handle. Uh, the head coach and GM duties, and basically run the show from a football operator standpoint. Uh, so, to me, I think it's just speculation and rumor right now. And it's funny because today, at uh, the end of Chris Jones's uh, media scrum, uh, no one asked during the scrum. No one asked him one question about the rumor or yeah. the speculation. But one of the media members quipped after, like, "I'm, I'm surprised no one asked about the uh, yeah. the uh, for uh, you going to Saskatchewan and these." just kind of laughed and scoffed and said, I've been dealing with that all morning. And he just chuckled. <laughs> so, to me, I think it's a long shot. I mean, Chris Jones is still building something pretty special here. And, um, you know, I think his name would come up in the future for a possible coach and GM job. I mean, he's not going to move to Saskatchewan to, to become a head coach again. That's a lateral move. Yeah. You know? But I think at this point, to me, I just don't see him as a – you know, wanting to leave coaching. He had such a passion for coaching. And, you know, does he want to add a GM title to, to his forte right now? I just don't see it. I think he has a good thing going with that Irvy, And uh, I just can't see him leaving. But will he be considered? Uh, I think he probably will be considered in the maybe the list of candidates. Now do the riders ask the Eskimos for permission to talk to him? You know, that's, that's another story. But I think this is a long way from being decided and, you know, I know there's a few Eskimo fans that were like, what is this rumor? I mean, you can't tell me Chris Jones <laughs> after only one season. And it's like, well, it's just speculation and rumor. But, you know, it's, it's great cup week next week, and I'm sure the, the writer's job, both for head coach and GM, will be um, definitely something that will be talked about next week for sure. And, uh, of course, after great cup. Well, Dave, we, uh, we have one rule for all of our guests to come on the podcast with us. We don't let you leave without a prediction. So what's going to happen in the East and West Finals, and who can we expect in the Grey Cup game? Well, I think we'll, we'll start in the East. I think it's going to be the Ottawa Red Blacks. And uh, I, I just, you know, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli had a, a better second half than, than first half uh, for the Tiger Cats quarterback. But uh, I, I'm going to go with Henry Burris in that offense, and that defense is pretty good. In the West, um, yeah, I believe that the three weeks off will help the Edmonton Eskimos against a banged-up offensive line. Um, and, I mean, John Huffnagel said it this week, uh, I wish I had Chris Jones's problem and had yeah. all that time off instead of dealing with all these injuries. So um, I, I think the rest will win out on Sunday against the Calgary Stampeders. So I say Eskimos and Red Blacks. Can't wait. Dave, uh, where can people get more of you if they like what they heard on the podcast? Well, they can follow my Twitter account, uh, Dave underscore Chad, at Dave underscore Chad. And, uh, 
Yeah, I hope you enjoy what uh, what I put out there. A lot of Eskimos news and uh, some CFL news and uh, sometimes some uh, mindless, uh, you know, uh, banter. That's what so. we like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful! Thanks so much for coming on the program tonight, Dave, and have a good call uh, on the weekend. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your show. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. <laughs> All right, John, let's lock in our picks. Now, Now, everybody else, uh, I, I know that CFL Pick'em on the website, they, they're giving away a trip to Aruba, uh, I think, and uh, you, you kind of you know pick the playoffs, and I, I'm still in the running. Because, uh, yes, you are. <laughs> I am not because of the Toronto Argonauts. But uh, the guys ahead of me, they like pick the exact score of the game, so I'm getting destroyed as far as points go with the picks. Now, I do want to remind you that the CFL Twitter Awards are underway. Now, I think the first time they did this was last year. It's just a really fun thing. You know, they do the favorite anonymous account, the media account, but this year there's the favorite podcast account. Yes, and a vote for us is a vote for such things as poutine, double-doubles. <laughs> Maple syrup. Babies. That is what a vote for the two of us is for. I, I should puppies. mention, too, I got a chance to uh, try Smoke's Poutinery here in Saskatoon. Highly recommend it if you're through the Bridge City. Uh, if you want to go with me, I'm always up for some poutine. But needless to say, a vote for the 2 and CFL podcast is a vote for all things Canadian. Double-doubles, poutine, <laughs> dangerous trips through the Coca Hall on the way to Grey Cup. <laughs> Uh, having a Caesar after four straight days of partying at, at Grey Cup just because your body can't do anything else other than a delicious spicy Caesar. Um, what else is super Canadian? Flannel, um, hairy chests, and lumberjacks. That is what you are voting for, for a vote for the CFL to, to, to an out CFL podcast. So this is how you vote. Uh, you go on Twitter, you follow at CFL T Awards, and then when it's podcast day, they're going to post all the nominees in a separate tweet. You retweet which is, which the is one today, if I'm not mistaken. It's on now, release day. Today, oh, is 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 release day? Because I know yesterday was the anonymous accounts. Well, well, yes, because today is record day, right? We as we always record this as often as we can on Tuesday nights. Yeah, or pardon me, Wednesday nights. And I believe that Thursday, I believe they said Thursday is the day for the uh, podcast account. So our podcast drop on thursday how timely is that vote for yeah. the timely ones two and out so, cfl bottom line if you see the cfl t awards tweeting with two and out cfl favorite or like whatever it's called now and retweet it and that is a vote for and, us and, and you know what all you have to do too is is mention us and if you mention us along with the hashtag for the cfl twitter awards i will personally give you an internet high five or a hug and if if we win, everyone who votes for us will get one Timbit. I like it. I, I don't know how logistically we'll do it, but we'll find a way, <laughs> damn it. Fun fact, uh, release day, two and out CFL podcast episode 26 is the 20th anniversary of the Baltimore Stallions being the first and last team, uh, I think, to ever win <laughs> the Grey Cup. 
from from the states, of course. You kind of forgot that, but uh, yeah. that reminds me of my first Grey Cup experience back in 2007. I don't know the gentleman's name, but he's he was at every Grey Cup for a long stretch there. Uh, he used to sit there with a cowboy hat, all his Baltimore Stallions gear. He became a fan while they were in Baltimore, and then later known as the Baltimore CFLers because of some sort of lawsuit. But either way, uh, the Baltimore team. He was a big fan, had a big flag, and it was just so cool to see. Even at the Grey Cup Festival, there are still Baltimore fans. Yeah, we did retweet it. Uh, I, I thought it was crazy that Rolling Stone actually wrote an article on it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was really interesting, and it seemed like it was a hell of a reunion. Yes, so we are in the final four, the finals for Grey Cup week when the Brazilian tie will get his wax. We will. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me so happy. You have no idea uh, that he will get waxed Thursday of the Grey Cup Festival, but it's the East Final. Ottawa hosting Hamilton. West Final is Edmonton hosting Calgary. John, who do you got? Well, I was wrong about the Thai Cats last week, and I think I might be wrong about them again this week. But hell, I'm going to pick them just because you know what? We haven't played for a while. We haven't played the Thai Cats or Hum, and let's let's spin it. I I say the Tabbies win by less than a field goal. Wow! I love the song, so let's play it. Feels like the disagree man now I, I feel like if Hamilton plays like they did in the fourth quarter against Toronto that they got a shot if they play like they did in the first half no <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's, it they're they're just such a I don't know what's going on I know realistically it's that that to me is going to be a heck of a football game my heart says pick Ottawa but I just you know what this tabby's team I just think they got something going for them I'm going with the heart here you go Alanis go Red Blacks West Final, Eskimos, Stampeders. Now, here's the thing. We did a poll on uh, Twitter uh, a few weeks ago asking if we should continue to sing the uh, Eskimo Empire fight song. Now, it was like 53% said no or something like that. But I feel like since we started singing it, the Eskimos haven't lost. And because the Eskimo Empire was kind enough to send a care package for my son, I'm going to pick the Eskimos. Travis, cue it up. (laughs) Okay. I want a two, a one, two, three, four. We're we're cheering. cheering. Fight, 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 fight fight on on Eskimos. Eskimos. We're marching marching right, right, right right on Eskimos. Eskimos. We're charging down down the the field for all to see. see. And shouting rah, 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 fight on to victory. victory. We're fighting (laughs) on till every game is won. The green and gold is bold. And when we're done, we'll tell the world we're proud of Edmonton. And they Edmonton, Edmonton Eskimos! Eskimos. 
<laughs> I think it's Edmonton and Ottawa in the Grey Cup. You think it's Edmonton and Hamilton in the Grey Cup. Either way, I would love either match. One more uh, housekeeping note before we are done. Uh, CFL fans fight cancer next Saturday. Garbanzo's Pizza Pub. It goes from 11 to 2. Chris Walby is going to be emceeing the event. And I guess Garbanzo's already has the endorsement from you. Their pizza's awesome. Absolutely. Garbanzo's is great. I, last time I was there, had some delicious pizza, and pints were on special. It was it was like, oh, beer on special and delicious pizza. So this means... I gotta say, does this mean this is my last appearance of this year? I think we gotta get we gotta get you on next week after the finals. Okay, we'll get me on next week after the final. We'll do. Uh, uh, we'll. We haven't figured out exactly the plans. Two and out is not going anywhere. There will be a full season two. We'll be on throughout the off season in some capacity. But uh, I know Brazilian Ty is going to take my place. Uh, while in uh, Winnipeg, because obviously I can't go this year, unless if there was someone kind enough to just e-transfer me about, you know, uh, a couple thousand dollars in flights. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, you know? Just, like, like all I need is, like, you know, like two grand. Yeah, I'm sure Tyrell would uh, share the bed with you. Hey, I, I would cuddle with him. He'll be smooth as silk. <laughs> that does it for episode 26 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. We will talk to you next week once we know who is playing in the Grey Cup. Follow on Facebook and Twitter, 2 and Out CFL, and rate, like, review, whatever. Subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you next week.